if she could come. Let's give her a hand. Wow, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. Awesome. Thank you, Meredith. Favourite preacher in the whole world, hey, Charles? Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, gosh, you don't listen to many preachers. Um, Anyway, so apparently we've been over the last few weeks, I say apparently because I've been at neither of these services in kids' church or something, uh, we've been doing foundational values and firm foundations. Pastor Nick spoke on, uh, one week, several weeks ago about security and Charles spoke a couple of weeks ago on serving. So this morning we get to talk about and we're going to talk about trust, trusting God specifically trusting God in the eye of the storm. And I do need to pre-warn you as a congregation that not to be alarmed if you see anybody get up on stage with me because it it is cued. It's all okay. (laughs) Anyway, let's start by reading a psalm that I've got. should come up on screen. Psalm 30, verse 6 and 7. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favoured me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. Your favour, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. I was shattered. Did that come up? Oh, I did. It's not up there. Sorry. (laughs) What a a super psalm. I've been reading the psalms, actually, this last little while, doing devotionals on them. When I felt secure, when everything was going well, there was no dramas in my life and I felt like a mountain, firm. I will never be shaken. Who's ever felt like that? Do you feel like that sometimes? It's that place where you are, where it seems like you're on top of the world. Everything's going your way. It's that place where everything is perfect. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Who loves that song? <laughs> Let's sing it with you. Everything is everything awesome. Everything is awesome. I love that song. Everything is awesome. And you know what? When I feel like that, I love to feel like that. Who loves to feel like that? Let's all sing it. Everything is awesome. <laughs> It's such a great movie. If you haven't seen that movie, you really need to see that movie. The Lego movie. Of course. <laughs> Who's seen it? Who's seen the movie? Yeah. Come on, people. Go out and get it today. Um, everything is awesome. <laughs> when everything is perfect, you know, there's a word for that when everything is perfect. The word is utopia, where everything is perfect. Now, there's a thing in all of us. I, well, I come to the conclusion when I think of utopia... That's something that I want to aim for, where everything is perfect and I feel like everything is awesome and, you know, you can sing, well, I'm so happy, you know, those sort of songs. Do you, do you people sing these sorts of songs? <laughs> um, where you feel like that. I love that feeling. Utopia. And, and there's, a, there's an image that I have in my mind. But let me show you um, Pastor Nick's image first of what he would see as his utopia. All right, that's a picture of Nick. And he's talking to me, I'm not in the shot, and he's ordering a chicken salad. So that's Nick's idea of utopia. I, myself, I'm not a great fan of the beach, so I just want to show you a picture. Oh, there's a picture of me. Just after I got up and I went inside to put the roast in the oven, 
because the family are coming around for dinner and it's going to be beautiful. And I'm going to make myself a cup of tea and some afternoon tea. And then I'm going to go back and sit there. And I'm thinking about the family because they all love Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus. And everybody's serving God. And there are no issues. There's no issues. None. No issues. All right? That's me. Who thinks that looks, who thinks that looks great? Who would prefer Nick's utopia? Okay, so there's half for Nick. And who would prefer my utopia? Yeah, yeah, no, good, good. I'm glad to see. We're evenly, evenly fixed there. But who knows that even with all these lovely, warm, fuzzy feelings that we've got going on, where we, and at that point, as the psalm says, when I felt secure, I feel like a, a, a mountain. When you favoured me, I feel like a mountain that will never be moved and I can praise the Lord, yeah? yeah. Who knows that tomorrow... The wheels will fall off and everything will turn to custard. That is just always the way. And I hate that feeling. Why can't I always feel good? Who feels good today? Who feels like, it's not quite so good. Who wouldn't put their hand up? It didn't matter what I'd say. Here's the thing. Jesus had a special verse. He said, In this world, you will have trouble. Isn't that just the sort of thing you want to have embroidered, framed, and put on the piano, (laughs) up above the piano? Mm -hmm. In this world, you will have trouble. Thank you very much, Jesus. Thank you very much, because I want to have utopia. And he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, he said, because I have overcome the world. (sighs) And it's hard to take heart, isn't it? Because we feel, because we feel, and we get discouraged. The point of the matter is trouble is here to stay. Everything is awesome. (laughs) Now, in the, the psalm that we read at first, the last part of the psalm said, but when you hid your face from me, I was shattered. How often in life do we feel like God is not listening or he's run away or he simply doesn't care? Now, there was a story in the New Testament where the disciples found themselves in a situation just like that. After a full day of teaching the crowds, Jesus suggested to his disciples that they would cross over the lake to the other side. They went aboard the ship and the disciples, being fishermen, were were able to sail their vessel. But Jesus was tired and he found a quiet place in the back of the boat on a cushion and he went to sleep. Then a storm blew up. We're fishermen. We know the sea. Whoa. Whoa. Some storm. 
you see, Jesus asked the disciples, where is your faith? Now, I was thinking about this and I thought to myself, what would have happened if the disciples had understood the purpose? If they had understood that on the other side of the lake, there was a man who was full of demons and that Jesus would go there and touch him and he would be set free from those demons and healed. What would have happened if they'd understood this and they hadn't been afraid? storms in our life. That's great. They're great, aren't they? Sometimes the storms in our life are so overwhelming, but just putting our face to the wind to enjoy the ride seems ludicrous. But there was one other option for the disciples. Can you give my helpers a hand, please? And they say we've got no drama in life. (laughs) Oh, my life is full of drama. Okay, now the thing is, the thing is this. The disciples, they were strong men and they were fishermen and they knew how to control a boat. But they got out there in the middle and they couldn't control the storm. And that's sometimes where we find ourselves. But like I said before, if they had understood the purpose for what was going to happen when they got to the other side of the lake, they would have gone straight to sleep like Jesus or enjoyed the ride. But they didn't. They panicked. And they called on his name. But the thing was, that boat, when I thought about it, I thought that boat was never going to sink. Do you know why? Because Jesus knew what his purpose was. Jesus knew he wasn't going to die at sea. Because that's not what it had said in the ancient scriptures. That was not what he had been sent for. And that's not what he had prophesied to the disciples. He had prophesied that he would die on a a, a criminal's death. And that he would save us. So he knew he wasn't going to die at sea. And that's why he was asleep. Because he was tired. And why get yourself stirred up over something you can't control? The thing is, whether we can control our situation or not, God's purposes will be worked out in the middle of a storm. And that is something that I need to remember sometimes because sometimes I don't feel like everything is awesome. And sometimes I'm a little bit like the disciples and I do like to freak out. Is there anybody else here that ever freaks out? Good. Um, Because um, I don't like to be alone in these things. Let's just have a look at some of the storms of life that sometimes we might face. There are physical storms, like your health. Well, other than the physical storm that's on the water, if you're on a boat and there's a storm, there's a storm. But physically, sometimes people 
struggle with health issues or injuries and things like that. And they're very real. There's the emotional or the mental storms. I've, I've put their fear and worry. But the thing is, <laughs> panic and self-pity are emotional storms. You know, when you feel like you've been hurt or you've been betrayed or you've been rejected, I imagine if I ask you, most of you would say that you've felt something like that at some time in your life, that you felt that kind of pain and hurt and rejection. And it becomes an emotional storm. It can become an emotional storm. Yes, you've been hurt, but it connects with our emotions. And our emotions can sometimes take us into a whirlwind and it can become a storm. Sometimes our emotions are like the waves and the wind and they are the things that are threatening to sink us. There are financial storms. Sometimes people think to themselves, I just don't know how I'm ever going to make my financial obligations. I don't know where the money's going to come from. I can't seem to get a job. Things are just not going right. There are relational storms. I'd like to say that everything in my family is peachy. You know, when I'm sitting on the veranda rocking, waiting for the roast to cook, I'd like to say that everything is just peachy. I'd like to say that. But I can't all the time. I can't all the time. Does anybody else have relational storms, family? Family storms. Anybody? Yeah. And sometimes I want to freak out. And I want to just get, I'm just going to, I'm just going to fix this. I'm just going to fix it. And of course, who knows how successful that's going to be? Who's ever tried to fix relational storms? Good, isn't it? Great, great results, <laughs> if you want to make it worse. Um, and sometimes it does overwhelm you and you think, but it's at times like that that I have to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop, stop. What is on the other side of this storm? What is the miracle that we're heading towards? What is on the other side? Because there are promises. Oftentimes there are promises that you have that God has given you through the word or or through a prophetic word. Sometimes those promises are there and you need to hold on to them and say, Jesus is in the boat and there is a purpose on the other side. So maybe I just do need to enjoy the ride or maybe I just need to curl up on the pillow next to Jesus and just go to sleep because my freaking out is just not helping here. There are also storms of grief and loss. I've got a friend, or we've got friends in Adelaide, uh, who about six weeks ago, um, the husband, he was a youth pastor, and he was on a youth camp, uh, serving the Lord, and and without warning, he was struck by lightning and killed. My friend, she's got uh, four children aged between 15 and six, and there was no warning. There was no warning that this would happen. In a communication to me, she she said it felt like there was a tidal wave had come and just crashed upon her. And and often on her Facebook posts, you will see her say she's just fighting for the next breath, just to breathe another breath. That's how she's feeling um, at the moment in this storm of grief and loss. And it's a very real storm, um, especially when there has been no warning for, for somebody like that. Um, grief and loss is always a storm but when there's been no warning and it's premature like it's when somebody's young it's a a terrible thing to come upon a person 
There's also the storms of persecution. Now, this is in our society, in the Western society that we live in here. We could say perhaps we're persecuted and people might make fun of us because of our beliefs or they might, you know, they might hold up placards and say that we're judgmental and, you know, whatever. And you could call that persecution and I guess it is, sort of, it is. But I don't think we really, really, really understand the storm of persecution that thousands of Christians face daily in countries like in the Middle East, countries like Syria and Jordan, uh, countries like Nigeria and uh, in some of the communist countries where people who are Christians face a very real persecution where they are under threat of being um, arrested, um, beaten, tortured and killed. It is a very, very real thing today. We find it hard, we read about it in the Bible, like that sort of thing happened to the disciples, some, you know, the apostles later. Um, we read about martyrdom and stuff like that, but it's not something that we can actually get our mind around. It's a difficult one. But I think of those, those folks in those situations. They faced these storms and they trust God in the midst of it. They trust God in the face of death. We read about it in the Bible and it does happen today. And I often ask myself, how would I go if we, we got caught in a storm like that? I'm not a huge fan. I, I um, heard once, and I've said this before, I've heard once um, somebody reported back that the Chinese Christians were praying for the Australian Christians, that they would get persecution so that they could really know what it was to serve God. I thought, bless their souls. <laughs> could we just not? <laughs> could we learn to serve God with a passion and a fire without the persecution? Well, we will say yes, but I sometimes wonder if we can do it. Because the thing of the matter is, it's when you're under that sort of fire that you do you well. It, it, that sort of fire reveals what is true. Do you run to God? Do you run to the rock at that stage? Um, do you come to that place? Do you take hold of what it says in the Bible? Jesus is my rock. He is my shelter in the time of storm and time of trouble. Is that what we do? I don't, I don't know that we necessarily do. We have political storms as well. You know, um, the, the folks that I was talking to you about who lost their, their husband in Adelaide, um, their father is also a pastor whom we know very well. And we were sitting talking to him a few days after the accident uh, and he was crying, of course, um, and he was, he, he was falling apart, of course. But he said to us, he said, the thing is, a few weeks ago, he said, uh, the last few weeks I've been preaching on trusting God Trusting God's sovereignty when there is no clarity. And he says, and now I have to live it. And when you hear that and you see that, because, you know, I don't understand his pain. I'll be perfectly honest. I did not understand his pain. I could see it. It was very real, but I did not understand it. And for him to sort of say, you have to trust God's sovereignty when there is no clarity, for him to say it, it had to be true. For me to say it, it's easy to say. Do you know what I'm saying? And sometimes, sometimes the storms come and they're not, they're not over in a second. I'm reminded of three other, or two other situations in the Bible. Now, it was almost certain that one of the disciples that was on the boat, Peter, 
it's almost certain that Peter was one of the disciples on the boat. Sometime later, after Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension, sometime later, Peter was out and about preaching the gospel and he was taken and put in prison. Uh, well, he was put in prison after they had killed James. Can't, yeah, was he brother? I can't remember. Anyway, they'd killed James the disciple with the sword, it says in the Bible. And they saw that it pleased the crowd, so they decided they'd put Peter in prison as well. So Peter's in prison and the chances of him dying are pretty high considering they just killed James and this was in response to that because it was a crowd pleaser. The chances of that were pretty high that he would also die. Now remember earlier he's on the boat freaking out, Lord don't you care we're going to die. Then not too long later he's out preaching the gospel, he's put in prison, a very real chance of being killed and what does he do? He falls asleep. This time he falls asleep and he's heavily asleep. And when the angel comes to rescue him, he has to strike him to wake him up. So maybe sleeping is an option. Then there's another story a bit later in Acts that says Paul and Silas were also thrown into prison because they'd they'd cast the demon out of the little girl and and that had messed up the whole show. And so they put Paul and Silas into prison as well. And what were they doing? They were singing, praying and singing hymns. That's an option. And it wasn't too long. And they, well, there was an earthquake and they... Uh, the prison foundation broke and their chains fell off, but they didn't leave the prison. No, they said, no, we demand justice here. But the point was, they weren't panicking and freaking out either. They had learned something. And this was in the midst, Paul knew that there was persecution because just prior to that, he had been one of the persecutors and he had overseen putting people to death. So he knew it was a very real option, but they were praising and singing God. These are the sorts of persecutions that they were facing, facing death and still trusting God. Now, some of you might say, yes, but in, all, in those situations, they were released from those situations and they didn't face death. Well, no, they didn't then. But a bit further down the track, history records that both of them were martyred. Both of them kept preaching the gospel. Uh, I mean, how many times was Paul beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and eventually he was martyred? It's not like he, he lived a real rosy life. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. And Paul knew about trouble, and yet he, he uh, followed through until the point of death. And Peter also, eventually. I want to just look at the last psalm that I've got there. Psalm 27. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. You know, sometimes there's a bit of criticism about the whole teaching people about trusting God because, you know, you're instilling in people a false hope. They need to be realistic and face things in life. Well, you know... Trusting in Lord and, and his safe, swell, safe, swelling, safe dwelling place and the shelter of the rock, does that always mean the here and the now? Does that always mean that? When we were talking to this father, the pastor, 
who was talking about his son and not understanding why his son had been taken like that, not understanding any of it. He said, but I do know that we don't understand what happens beyond that point of death where you cross from this life into eternal life. And so the the point I want to make to you here is just because things don't necessarily, the the miracle doesn't necessarily happen here and now, as it would be nice, it would be really awesome, Um, because it doesn't necessarily happen like that does not mean that you still cannot run into the heart of Christ and that, 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 that when your head is exalted above the enemies and all of that sort of thing, I'm sure that the Christians who are in Syria and China and other places like that, they are just as happy to take it after death when they enter into Christ's presence in eternity as they are before. The thing about us now is we've got to have the deliverance and we've got to have it now and it's got to look like this. That's that's a bit heavy. I didn't even have that in my notes. Who trusts God? (laughs) Only about four people now. Um, (laughs) I trust God if he sorts it out and he sorts it out my way. Um, The thing of the matter is, all of these situations, people trusted God. Even when the disciples were freaking out, who did they call upon? They called upon Jesus. Their trust was still in Jesus, even though they were emotionally in an upheaval. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The thing of the matter is, as you take your delight in the Lord, your desire will be the Lord. And that's what we've got to try to do, is not let our desires be our desires. Because when we go, uh, I'm going to delight in the Lord so I can get A, B, C, D and E, so I'll do that so I can get that, that's not what happens. When you delight yourself in the Lord, all of a sudden your desires are the Lord. A, B, C and D and E might or might not be part of the equation that's you know what is God's purpose what has God got for you what has God got on the other side of your lake what miracle is lurking over there and that's the question I'd like to ask you this morning and I will point those fingers at myself very sternly because I do like to freak out on occasion I'm going to hand over to Nick at this moment who has a thought also that he would like to add. Why don't you give Meredith a hand? Wasn't that a great word? (laughs) How many of you were encouraged by that word this morning? Um, When Meredith just started sharing, you know, just those thoughts just during the week and we hadn't scheduled... uh, I don't think she was even on the roster to preach. I just said to her, you need to share that because I just felt that there was people going through some storms. How many of you know it's not easy going through a storm? It's very difficult. I think what happens when you go through a storm is you lose your peace. And, uh, you know, the devil loves to come and steal. He loves to come and rob. He's a thief. And one of the things he'll do is he will steal your peace and still your joy. Isaiah 26 verse 3 is very interesting because it says, He will keep you in perfect peace if and when you keep your mind 
stayed on him. What a great scripture. And when you put your trust in him. Now, I don't know about you, but peace is a hard thing to hold on to. And I just felt this morning, after Meredith had shared with me, I just felt that there were people here that through the storms that you're going through, and we all go through storms, I love the reality that there is something at the end of your storm. I, in my experience, if I'm in the will of God, because there's different storms, some storms we cause ourselves, but if you're in the middle of God's will, storms will come, but there's always a reason, there's always a purpose, and there's always something on the other side, if you keep your mind on him. One of the reasons the devil wants to take away your peace is he wants to make you restless. When you get restless, you make reckless decisions. Recklessness, I've always found that when my spirit is agitated, you can start to play Dan because we're going to call the musos up in a minute. But you know, when I'm agitated and when I've lost my peace and I get restless, I get reckless. I say stupid things damaging things I make stupid decisions reckless decisions how many of you have made a few of those so today what we'd like to close with just in this intimate moment because I believe the word of God needs response we don't try and orchestrate what God wants to say I I do try as your pastor to try and keep my finger on the pulse of the heartbeat of the church. But I felt today that there are some people here, you are going through storms. Number one, keep your hope, keep your faith. There's something on the other side of the storm. There's something on the other side for you. Keep believing, keep persevering, and keep trusting God. How many of you know you can't sleep when you're not at peace? How many of you have ever had restless nights? Because your mind, your spirit is so agitated. I hate that. But He will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on Him. Just every eye closed right now. If that word today has spoken to you and you're in a bit of a storm, maybe you're in a huge storm, maybe your focus is lost that You've lost your focus that there is a promise on the other side. Maybe you've become restless. You've maybe made some reckless decisions. Maybe you've lost your peace and your joy. And today you will say, God, today, today I want to steady my heart. I want to steady my mind. And I put those things into your hands. If that's you, just quickly just lift your hand. Let me pray with you today. Thank you for your honesty and for your openness and Father, today, you don't just see hands, you see hearts. You see people's troubles and restlessness. Today, Lord, help us. Help us to put our faith and put our hope in you. Help us to see that there is a promise at the end of the journey. But help us also to understand, Lord, that you give us perfect peace. Father, I pray today for these people that have lifted their hands, that, Lord, their hearts would be turned to you. 
that their minds would be steadfast and that they would put that storm into your hands. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand to your feet? Just all of us, just for a moment, with our eyes closed, would you lift your hands towards heaven and just begin to thank him and You might not be going through a storm, but you know someone who is. Why don't you just begin to pray? And there's something powerful that happens, something shifts that happens when you pray. When you go through a storm, one of the great things to do is pray. Because what does prayer do? It it shifts your focus from the storm to the master. From the storm to the master. This morning, shift your focus. Don't put your focus on the storm. Don't get caught up in the waves. Don't get caught up in the wind. But put your focus on the master. Holy Spirit, today, we come. We put our focus on you. We thank you that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you, God, that you have a course. You have set a course. You've set our course for our families. You've set our course. You've made promises. You've prophetically declared the promises over us. And today, Lord, we look to those promises. We look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I'd like you to give Meredith a real encouragement. I think that was a really great word. And you know, this week, this week, you know, Charles has already mentioned we have Pastor John Partington coming. Let me just say something very about John. John is an evangelist. Uh, I guarantee you, if we bring unchurched people, people who have never heard the gospel, uh, John's spirit, he carries the spirit of an evangelist. Primarily, he is an apostle, but he has this incredible a heart to see people saved. Can I just say this? We're bringing some guest speakers through over the next couple of months. Actually, this whole year, I think we've got a guest speaker nearly every month. It's something that we haven't sort of planned. People are just coming through, and I thank God for that. Let's make sure we don't come. They're not just entertainers. They're not here just to make us feel good. That We bring them through because they've got a purpose. And men, can I say this? If you have unchurched, unsaved friends, bring them to the breakfast. Will you have a laugh? Absolutely. But while you're laughing, he is going to you know, knock you between the eyes with some truth. And you're just going to love his spirit. He also carries faith. And uh, you'll see that when he preaches. The other thing is Easter is around the corner. And uh, what a great opportunity to bring people to church. We're going to sing, we're going to end off with singing Risen. I think that's what we're singing. It's a great Easter. It's not just a great Easter song. It's a great Easter truth. God bless you. Have a great day today. And make sure that you stay in peace. God bless you. Thanks, guys.
so 